young and old, I am a child of God. Acts chapter 11, let's just open our hearts to to listen to the word and, and then we'll have a time of response afterwards. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you um, get used to reading the word. I'm just going to pray for a real freshness. Because this is the word of God, not man. So that makes it the most important voice or word to read, to listen to, and to allow God. This word has divine power has life it carries life so father we honor we don't just honor your presence here we honor your word above all things we thank you for your truth that guides our lives that ministers and gives grace to us but also sets us on the right course and i pray that today father we would receive with meekness the implanted word That your word wouldn't just be something we're listening to with our minds, but it would be the good seed that goes into good soil in our hearts. And that we would receive that seed which is able to save our souls. But not only that, that we would be fruitful and transform our world because of what you do and say here this morning. So thank you, Jesus. We honor you. And I just want to honor your word, Lord. I need you. I don't just need to pray for others. I pray for myself. That I will faithfully give what you put on my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 11. And verse 23. Now this is when um, the church was growing and expanding. And... uh, Some people, some Christians had gone to a place called Antioch and there was a work of God going on. They took the gospel there and people were getting saved. And so it's an exciting time actually uh, whether these new believers and the church in Jerusalem heard about the good news. See the church in Jerusalem at that time was kind of like the mother church you could say. Uh, The day of Pentecost, that's where the church was born. But now the church was spreading. People were going out and people were getting saved and joining together as the called out ones. The ones who are sons of God through faith in Jesus. Who have God living in them. Sons who have a father in heaven. And these new converts were kind of, they were a bit of an issue for the early church because they thought, how are we going to make sure they grow up in truth? So they sent a guy called Barnabas. And um, Barnabas was sent out to to Antioch. And verse 23, it says, when he came, when Barnabas came to the people and had seen the grace of God, he was glad. And he encouraged them that they all with purpose of heart, should continue with the Lord. So when Barnabas came, first of all, he saw something. Did you know that grace doesn't just happen internally, it's seen. The work of God, the new life, being a Christian, isn't just inside, it's actually eventually seen on the outside. You reflect, there's something you can see about God's work in somebody's life. So to say you're a Christian with no evidence is actually not the goal. The goal is to have Christ in you, but also to see that new life break out of you. So when Barnabas came, he was actually saying, I can see the fruit. I can see the fruit. And I rejoice today because God's saying over us, I can see the fruit. There's a work of God here. And this week I've been hearing some things that God has been doing and I have been able to see the grace of God at work. Work, The the grace of God is God at work. The favor and the ability of God. 
So when he saw this, he felt something. Joy. You see, I believe that whenever you see God do something, whether it's an answer prayer or you see some change in your life that makes you realize, actually, God is at work. It actually makes you glad. Well, it makes me ever so glad when I see more and more of Jesus at work. And particularly amongst us. So he had this joy. And then he said something. He had something to say to them. Now remember, at this time, there were no online things. Okay? Uh, There wasn't much understanding or teaching. All these new believers had was the Holy Spirit. All. If you have God, you have all. But also those who taught them the word. Those amongst them who were teachers. So, what would you have said if you saw a work of God, a work of grace going on? Well, Barnabas thought of only really one thing that was the most important thing. And he said, I'm just going to say this one thing, that with purpose of heart, you continue with the Lord, Jesus. Now, I love what he says. He's basically saying that you've got to be totally intentional to continue with him, Jesus. Many Christians today have this false doctrine or theology that says God is going to do it all. Fake news. That's fake news. Other people say, we're going to do it all. Fake news. But God is going to work continuously. But the truth is, it's God at work and you and me at work in a partnership. So when when Barnabas says, continue with purpose of heart, It's coming out of your heart, but there is an intentional decision of choice and action going on. I've known too many Christians do nothing and end up nowhere and even backslidden. If you do nothing, you will backslide. But we have to be a people who are intentional, not casual to go on. And you know what happened in this new work? God continued to move as they set their purpose of heart to continue with the Lord. And that church became so amazing and so influential for that region and for actually sending missionaries out all over the world. So what had begun there continued because they responded to this word to, with purpose of heart, continue with the Lord. Now that word, continue with the Lord, means to cling to him, Jesus. To cling to. So um, it actually... It actually is like, um, you know, can you imagine somebody clinging to uh, one of the pillars we have downstairs? Or, or if I cling to this, this is a clinging thing. I'm holding ever so tightly on. You see, Barnabas realized that the person, if you were really attached to him, your whole life would continue to change. And you would fulfill your destiny or your assignment, your work that God has prepared for you to do. And it all comes out of this intimate relationship with him. And, you know, sometimes things can get in the way of that. And hinder that happening in your personal life. But the good news is today, and that's why it's really good news, is that you can hear a word today that will change you 
And you can make changes today with purpose of heart, with intention. And make some decisions today to say, hang on a minute. I've allowed other things to get between me and God. And I'm probably clinging to loads of stuff, but I'm no longer clinging to him. Because the scriptures say Jesus is your life. Isn't that interesting? He is your life. So if you're clinging to him, there is this dynamic life happening continually in you. And Jesus used this illustration of the vine and the branches. Abide in me, he said, and I will abide in you. And you know as well as I do, if a plant gets detached from, if a a branch gets detached from a plant, it grows ever so limp. You start to die. You start to actually wither. Which is why Jesus is the life of your life. And he is the life of the church or his people. So to continue with him is to purpose in your heart. You won't let anything get in the way of your relationship with God. Isn't it interesting that... um, There are two commandments that fulfill all the law. The first is, and you can quote it, it's a little bit different to doing it, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So in other words, cling, hold on to the one who gave himself to you. You're not holding on to someone who's um, unloving. You're holding on to love. The one who gave, who died for you. Hold on to him. You know, so much is happening in our world. We're in a world of hate. Where people can be stabbed. Politicians can be stabbed because someone disagrees with their political party. Let me tell you, may God deliver us in this body and in the whole church from having factions because of political leanings. We are here to love and to live at peace with all men. But we are in a world where there is so much hate People will hate you for what you believe. Hate you for what you stand for. Or just hate you. Because you're the wrong size, the wrong color. You're the wrong brand. You're the wrong denomination. You're the wrong thing. And we are in a world where there is such a great need for a move of God. The world is further away from the word of God than ever. And there are many churches who are falling away from the word of God. National denominations that are not upholding the word. And that's why we need to cling to Jesus and to cling to his word. Because he is our life and he alone is the truth that can show us the way. But also he wants to change our world. We need a move of God. And things are speeding up. Things are speeding up. Things are really going fast. If you think what's happened in 10 years with gender issues. It hasn't been long. We've gone to such confusion. And the church are not supposed to be confused. It mustn't come into the church. Because we're the called out people. God loved the world so much he gave his son. But we are, love is divine love. It's love in the truth. Not just love however way you want. Now Jesus died for sinners. Of which I was one and so were you. So we couldn't be right until we received Jesus. But there is a speeding up of evil. It's going fast. 
But do you know what? What's more powerful than the enemy is God. And God is speeding up too. And you know what he's speeding up to? Everything's getting faster towards an end. And that end is when Jesus Christ returns and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the end game. And then the judgment. Then the judgment will come. But in this age, God is extending grace and mercy to a lost generation. Which is why we can't afford to be casual about our relationship with God. We can't slide around and say everything's going to be fine. I hadn't planned to say any of this. But I believe the Spirit is speaking. We have to continue with purpose of heart. And be encouraged that God is working. And I want to be part of what God's doing. Don't you? I want to be in with that speed of the Spirit. And I don't want to be held back by anything that would stop God doing what He wants to do through my life. Don't let anything, anyone, or any experience get in the way of your relationship with God. Hebrews 12, you know it. Let's just turn there. Hebrews 12. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, isn't it exciting to be saved for such a time as this? This is our time. This is the time we're called to live in, which means God in you is more than enough to live and advance the kingdom. Amen. We're actually born for this time. With all the contentions, all the hate, all the confusion in our world, we've been born for such a time as this to reveal a loving, merciful, gracious God and to be a a voice that guides people to the shepherd so that they can follow him and his truth all their days. Hebrews 12 speaks about this race. Therefore we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This has just been speaking about all those who've gone before us, who set their heart on purpose, who didn't act casual, who decided that to live for God was the thing to live for. Yes? Thank God they did. Faith, perseverance, They forsook, I mean, if you think about Moses, he he forsook the palace. Wealth and riches weren't position. None of it bothered him. I want God. I want to serve God in my generation. And so we've we've got all these greats, one of whom we know personally has gone to be with the Lord, Pastor Colin. He finished his race. But Scripture says... We've got them as an encouragement to rally us, but not to stand back and look back and say, wasn't that great? But to look at a race marked out for you and for me. So he says, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us, and I'm included in the us, and so are you, you're included in the us. Let us lay aside every weight And every sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us, let us run with endurance or perseverance the race that is set out or marked out before us. God has already marked out a race for you. I think that's wonderful. I just think that's wonderful. I'm not making up my own destiny. God has already got it marked out. And I can know it by knowing him, allowing him to change me and train me, but also every day say, Father, it's your business I'm interested in, not just mine. I make your business my priority. Every day you've got an assignment for me, and it always involves people. 
Your assignment is people. Your assignment is people. Who is Jesus' assignment? People. It's not rocket science, is it? To love and serve people, whether they're the lost or the household of faith, the church, your family, but you're here to serve God's kingdom purpose for people. So let's run our race. Now this is really interesting in terms of thinking about having a purpose and intention. Because we have to be intentional to cling to Jesus in our relationship with him. But we also need to be intentional with what we're carrying with us. And to make sure there isn't, you know, if your, your feet are ensnared, you can't run. Sin ensnares your feet. You can't move. And God is speeding up, but I want to speed up to be in step with the Spirit. So I need to make sure that I'm traveling light. There was a song. I won't break into it. Traveling light, but also having nothing around my feet, nothing stopping me. Slowing me down or stopping me from pursuing Jesus and his race for me. Let us run. Let us lay aside. Now, two things are happening here in this race. Uh, Paul says that it's either the weight or it's sin. So they're two different things. And a weight, if you think of a runner, is someone who... Looks like they're going out winter shopping with all their coats on, carrying shopping bags. That's not running a race. That's not having a goal except for I wonder if I'll find something nice on the way. Um, some of you yesterday were involved in some kind of race. It didn't look like much of a race to me, but I've seen the photos. Um, but some of you were involved in that yesterday. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you didn't have your winter coat on. You didn't carry around your iPad. You, you wouldn't have load, loaded down with your, your lunchtime snacks because you had a purpose, a goal. And so much comes in to affect all of our lives, mine included. So I have to ask the question. So do you. What is weighing me down? And is there anything tangling me up? Is this what it's saying? There's the wisdom there, isn't it? What, what is it? What could be weighing me down as someone who's got a call, a high calling in God to influence people for Jesus? What is, what, what is drawing me back? It's an urgent time. It's not time to be a casual, uh, no-show Christian. <laughs> uh, to not have a prayer life. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your secret place on your own. Oh, we fight that, don't we? We like to be with everybody else. Company, TV, what's the news, what's happening out there? And Jesus said, no, go into the secret place. Your father, I love it, your father is there. Oh, I love it. I just love that. Every time I pray, guess who's there? My father. I'm his son. I'm his, that's not a gender thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's, a, it's who I am. I'm God's. Beloved son, he loves me being with him, but I love being with him. Close the door. Now everything will work to stop that. It's amazing how people are too busy to pray. Has anybody ever experienced the too busy to? 
Nobody puts their hand up because nobody wants to admit it, but it's true. Because we can all be so work-orientated, stuff-orientated, family-orientated. There is absolutely no time to go into your room to pray. And you might be sitting there saying, that's all right for you, Pastor Judith. It's your call. Well, in my Bible, it says it's for all of us. Because we're called to intimacy, to cling to him. But also to, that helps us get away the weights and the burdens. And we start to see, actually, this is weighing me down. And I can't fulfill what God has for me. Because I'm just all involved in everything else. Your prayer life is your relationship with God. Boom, boom. I really, you know, Becky told me this morning, this team went into 5K inflate. What, what was it? What was it called? The inflatable run. Who knows what on earth that is? But there were a lot of obstacles down in Exeter where they had James thought it was bouncy castles, but it was a little bit more, um, uh, it was a bit different to that. Okay, so they, they were running their race, but actually they were walking their race. And they were climbing over all these obstacles. And what really, in, it really interested me this morning was when she said, and we were talking, I said, apparently when you saw a camera, you suddenly went, We're on film. And then when you're not under camera, you're just doing this. So hang on, let, let me put this in church speak. When you're in a meeting worshipping God, you're going... <gasps> Somebody's looking at, they're looking at me. And then like at home. It's the... You see, you're on camera continually. God sees. You can't fake it. He's everywhere and he's always in you. And so there's no point doing this. <laughs> if at home, you're not for real. And so that's why Jesus said, actually, I've called you into fellowship with me, to cling to me, because then you're going to know what I've planned. You're going to be able to see what race I have for you in that day. And you're going to be able to run in that call because the enemy wants you out of it that you finish your race and actually say what race was I really racing or you finish your life sorry and actually realize I didn't live for God and I don't want that and this is what the writer is saying you just have to get rid of whatever weighs you down to travel light so that you can fulfill the call and the destiny. Live on purpose, not live busy. Live on purpose. Everybody can say they're busy. But it's because you're busy doing the things you think are the priority. Where Jesus is saying, my priority is to seek my kingdom first. My righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. You'll live in the provision of God when you set your priorities right. Purpose of heart. The purpose of your heart is, I don't just feel it. You see, if I was to ask anybody in this room, we all love Jesus here. There isn't anybody here, I don't believe, that doesn't. Thank God that... He died for them. He loved them. You're here. You're doing great just to even be here. You purposed in your heart. But you know, many Christians say, I really want to do the Father's business inside. My heart's really good. Body just doesn't follow through. But that that doesn't make sense to God. Because to him, your purpose of heart always follows through to your body. Because whatever is in your heart, your intention is actually what you end up doing. I can pray or I can sleep. I have a choice. 
know this is difficult with parents with young kids who are up all night. And somehow you have to find the way that you can go into a room and do shifts or somehow find it a possibility if you're a busy person in business or you're, you're, you're absolutely maxed with family or work. Somehow it's like, if my goal is that, I'll reorganize everything around it. Somehow you just have to plan it in because otherwise, if we don't live on purpose, other things will come in and stop us running our race. I, um, if you read, let's just turn here, and I'm not going to go on much longer. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm praising him anyway. <laughs> uh, this, some of this stuff might make your hair curl, which is why you're going to be pleased I'm not going to go on for very long. Corinthians 11. Paul uh, says in verse 2, For I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I've betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be, may be corrupted from the simplicity of that is in Christ. This is kind of like marriage intimacy language. And basically he's saying, Paul is saying, actually, when you got saved, you actually were joined one in spirit with the Lord. But what's happened is, Satan has been working to tempt you away from your faithfulness to him. It's interesting, isn't it, that he says, I I am concerned, actually, that you are no longer clinging to Jesus, but actually you've been tempted to fill your life with other things. Now, what the serpent in the garden did, or Satan did, is that he presented something to Eve that she didn't have. Anybody ever woken up to the fact that Satan often presents something you don't have and says, only this is going to make you happy. This is what you want. This is what you need. Just think about what life would be like if you had it. Outside of God's amazing provision. Not within the provision of God because God provided I think this is the amazing thing God provided the whole garden of Eden and the devil presented one thing that wasn't for her remarkable and it's called bait the devil uses bait and he knows Mark's bait he knows Dan's bait he knows Sharon's bait he knows Judah's bait By the way, my flesh likes bait. You understand, all of us, the enemy knows what your bait is. And that bait can look good, but it's packed with poison. It can sometimes look like it's nothing. Innocent. Nothing's going to go wrong if I go for that. But it'll end up killing you. Separating you from God. Hmm. And basically Paul was saying, you were joined one in spirit with the Lord, but you're getting involved in all this other stuff. The enemy's got hold of your life and you're attracted. You're flirting. Anybody ever... I mean, I used to have boyfriends before I was saved and even once I was saved. And um, I didn't like it if I went out and they were flirting. What about a a husband and a wife? If, if, If one of them flirts, you're like, not happy. You see, God is jealous. He's a jealous God. He wants you. And 
This is like, stop flirting or stop being unfaithful. Because Satan has tried to get you attracted to stuff or things you love and pull you away from both your relationship with God but also your race. Can you see the two things are going on? It breaks your relationship with God and eventually what happens is you lose your race. You aren't in the race anymore because you can't run the race living without being intimate with your heavenly father. The devil's ever so sneaky, deceiving. He always will present to you an alternative that's more attractive sometimes to the will of God. But I love it, you know, even when we're in a mess. So this word's good for somebody here today, or for a few of us, I'm sure. Even if we are in a mess, you can be happy today that the word's come to save you. To save you from living and missing on your divine relationship with God and your core. You can be over, overjoyed. Because he has a plan to take you out, but God has a plan that you cling to him and set your purpose and your choices and make plans so that you don't fall into the trap the enemy lays for you by appealing to what you like and what you want. Uh, Jesus spoke about how sin comes in. And I, this is where, how the enemy, the tempter, tempts us to sin. When we sin, we can't blame the devil. You can't ever say the devil made you do it. You can only say he tempted me, but I did it. Okay, so you have to take responsibility for, for what you do do wrong. But in Matthew 5, I just... I get shocked sometimes when I read the word. Does anybody ever get shocked? Okay, so you know this, everything will be all right, I'm saved. I never really feel comfortable with that theology. And for me, Jesus doesn't say that. We can be sure and certain if we continue in the faith. He wants us to be secure in our salvation. But it is a walk, a continual salvation. It's not just an event. Amen. Well, this is why it makes me absolutely shocked. Is when Jesus is speaking, sorry, Matthew, Matthew 5. When Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples, not the lost. My hair is already curling. He's speaking to his disciples. And verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 28. I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, so there we have the process. Satan's put bait there. Okay? Now, let me tell you, There's bait everywhere, right? But you can glance but not look. You can see it but not see it. You understand what I mean? But this is speaking about looking to desire. Ooh, I'd like some of that. And when you look, you're actually conceiving in your heart and committing a sin, even before you ever do it. Because sin is a desire for something outside God's provision for you. Yes? God has not. You know, I often think pornography is, um, first of all, it's bait. Secondly, uh, I think what people think, because it's online, it's not a person. You are committing 
a sexual sin online, but it's still a sin because it's already in your heart. Okay, so it's, if you look to lust, it's in your heart. And then Jesus says, this is what's so radical. If your eye causes you to sin, what does he say? Do. Pluck it out. Cast it from you. Now this sounds like a bit like another religion. Chop off your hands, your feet. Take your eyes out. Remove your tongue. Uh But Jesus is speaking about the radical dealing that you have to choose to cut something out that you are going to find painful if you're going to enter life. Okay, because he's saying it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. He is speaking to, to believers. There is a warning here that to be entangled in sin is vital you cut out what you look at that causes you to sin, what you touch and what you do and where you go. It is vital you're radical with holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Everywhere you look, there are things that want to attract you. The enemy uses as bait. Um, uh, We bought a DVD set, because there's very little on TV that I can feel happy in my spirit to watch. I won't watch overt sex of, of, of male and female or male and male or female and female. I am not normalizing sin. It's like the frog in the water. You can just keep getting hotter and hotter and then eventually you just, that's it, it's killed you. Boiling up. And um, so we bought this series, and I really liked it. It's an investigation sort of series, CSI, or I don't know what it was called. And uh, it cost quite a bit of money, so we went halves on it, because we're both going to enjoy it. So it's 25 quid each, which is quite a lot, but it was a big set. Thinking, okay, at least when we sit down, it's something we can watch that's not going to affect my spirit. And you know how... The enemy works, he kind of gets you into something and then he suddenly turns up, ramps things up. So we started to watch it and it's like after three or four goes, three or four DVDs, I'm like, this has changed. And then one thing happened, we both said at the same time, that's it. Now, talk about cutting it out, that's money. We'd lost money because we, we want to be holy. We'd lost entertainment because we want to be holy. And so this stack of DVDs that, I mean, 50 pounds to me is not nothing. It might be to you. I don't know, what, I don't know where you're at, but for me it's like, I, only, I have budgets. I work with budgets, and I, you know, I'm like, this is a big deal. I remember one, um, a youth meeting where somebody came to speak years ago at Faith Camp, and they were talking to the young people, but actually could be talking to anybody, and said, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, what you're looking at, cut it out. And she took an iPad. You know, for a young people, an iPad's like, they go, oh, I love an iPad. Oh, I love tech. And you don't, uh, you don't do anything to tech. You preserve it. You cling to it. You cling to that thing. But if it's making you polluted, if you're watching porn on it, 
she took a hammer and she started to smash the iPad. And she said, it's better you enter life than go to hell. Is that what Jesus said? Are they my words? They're his word. And so when, when the writer's talking about a race, he's like, there are some things you'll have to cut out you don't want to cut out. There are other things that weigh you down. Do you know one thing that can really weigh me down is news. The news. So when the news is on, I can listen and go, oh, what are we going to do? This is a terrible situation. Or even enter into the spirit behind some news, which is rebellion, to attack the government, to tear down those in authority. As far as I'm concerned, we're here to pray for those in authority. Not attack. And so you can get so involved and lose your peace by taking on and slandering people. This shouldn't be. We're here to seek the kingdom, not right government on earth in terms of political party. It plays a part. There are people that are called into that sphere and we're to pray for them. But we're here for the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven on earth. Don't get involved with the mud slinging. Oh, this is a, this is a little talk this morning. Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You want me to live to serve your purpose in this generation and not watch what everybody else is doing. Your kingdom come. Things can pull you back in seasons in my life, the things, the heavy weights of responsibility and family. Many have been pulled back or weighed down or slowed down because they have someone who wants them to do, there's a right balance in this because we're to love our families. But it's always Jesus first. If you get that right, then the family will work. You'll have time for your family. Things I must have. I'm living for wealth. I'm living for um, a new car. I must have the latest thing. If things have you, God doesn't. If you're not free to serve him, then it's time to loosen and get rid of some weights. Because we are in a day where with purpose of heart, we can make choices. And only I can choose for me. But I know there are Plenty here today, listening online and in the building, who genuinely want to be part of a move of God. I know that, that you're not playing. But even for me, my heart is this. Weights can come on. Things, people, other priorities can come in. And I have to get back to, hang on a minute. I'm going to set my heart on him, purpose, my relationship with God, but also, Lord, I don't want to be running my race so laden down with other things. I haven't got time for what you have and what you want for me. I love it when Paul was saved. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not, Lord, I want you to do this. Lord, what do you want me to do? Don't miss your call. Because everything else, the bait of the enemy and stuff, 
can actually weigh you down. We are going to have a move of God in this nation. The world needs it more than ever. The world needs Jesus, but God needs his church pure, holy. If the Lord has spoken to you about cutting something out, even if you have to get rid of your iPad, you smash it up so you're saved. Smash it. I don't have an iPad. You'll, you'll feel embarrassed to say it to people. But you and God all know it's because it's a temptation to you. You get rid of it. God isn't going to heave it out of your house. Intention in your heart. Pure and holy, set apart for God. In a large house, there are many vessels. Paul says, but whoever cleanses himself will be fit for the master's use. Shall we stand? Thank you, Jesus. How are you doing? I know it was different this morning, but I know that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me go from this word. How are you doing? Have you heard the Lord this morning? Some of you, you know, maybe, maybe you just didn't realize there were some weights. Other things that have got in between you and God and in your serving God. So let's just pray. Father, I thank you that this is your word. Uh, that you call us not just to sit and wait for you to move, but actually to partner with you. And Lord, we are so encouraged at what we have seen you do. We're so encouraged at the signs of your kingdom advancing. We're so encouraged, Lord, at the changes that you're making in our lives so that people see more and more of Jesus. Thank you for the answered prayer. Thank you for those who are being saved. Thank you for the people we're reaching through the whole work of the church. Lord, this is a good picture. But Lord, we wanna, I want to purpose in my heart and I pray for my brothers and sisters today that we as a people together will purpose in our heart to cling to you. Thank you, Lord. I don't know whether some of you need to start again with having time alone with God. Maybe you used to, but life's got in the way. Jesus said, go to your room and pray. Close the door. Your father who sees in secret, he will reward you openly. There will be rewards. I love that. It's not just to do it, but actually to see results. There will be great results. Nobody can give you a prayer life except you. (laughs) Nobody can sow into your relationship with God except you. Purpose in your heart. Be intentional. Make room for time alone with God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would see those things that have got in the way. I pray also, Father, today that we would see the heavy weights, the things that actually might even be good, blessings, but actually they're not relevant for our race. Other people can carry them, but we can't. I pray, Father, that you will expose to us the things that don't uh, enable our race, the people that actually pull us back, the things that attract us that the enemy uses as bait. Let us wise up to those things, Father, that none of us fall astray and go off. But I thank you, Father, the good news is we can always come back. That you're a good Father. I believe the Lord has been putting his finger on something that has been unholy in somebody or a few people's lives. 
been looking and lusting in your heart for things or even uh, online pornography, whatever it is, God wants you free of it. But you're going to have to make a decision to cut it out. He will forgive. He always forgives when we confess our sins. It's as if it never happened. But you will have to do something so that you never allow temptation to get you again. Thank you, Father. Thank you for all those who have cut out what you asked them to. Thank you in every generation there have been a people who've said, no, I won't do that because I will do this. Who've set their heart on following you. And I thank you it's those that have changed the landscape. It's those people that have lived in pursuit of you, clinging to you, radical disciples of Jesus Christ, setting their course on the purpose of God in their generation. They're the ones who bring a move of God. They're the ones who are in the move, the Spirit's move in this generation. And I pray, Father, for those faithful here today, for those who have given up much, who've given up relationships and family, and who've given up time and even money and, and future wealth, so that they can serve the purpose of God in this generation. Thank you that your promise is, Lord, no one who leaves will fail to receive a hundredfold in this time. Thank you, Lord, we're never at a loss. We're always at a gain point when we give up something for your race. You always provide the best. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, today, purify our hearts. Let the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all unholy things. Holy Spirit, work in us so that we're not watching things that we shouldn't be watching and being entertained by these things or having a desire for things more than you. Lord, in this world, the enemy has got so much bait But Lord, you're more powerful. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We need you, Holy Spirit. Let's just open your hands to receive from him. Father, I thank you you've given us yourself. And I thank you, Jesus, that today, through the blood of Jesus, but also the enabling of your spirit, that we can repurpose our lives for the race that is marked out before us. I pray that freedom, complete freedom, will come to each one who's been tied up in sin or heavy laden. Thank you for the power of your spirit to move with you in this generation. And Lord, I thank you for the faithful who haven't bowed the knee to the enemy. I thank you, Father, that you have a holy people, called out ones, who are going to see our kids. <laughs> this, this region, this town where we live, Lord, experience the power of the gospel and the kingdom of heaven. Let your kingdom come, Father, and your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. It is for freedom. Christ has set us free. Amen. You're free. Now, God is the best for you, even if it isn't loads of stuff or what you want. He's still got the best for you. And I'm telling you, the future is going to be so much more fruitful if we live running our race free of weights and set free of sin. Don't be deceived. 
Don't be deceived by that enemy. He's always been around and he's always used the same game. Whatever appeals to your flesh, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Right now, I'm going to choose what Jesus wants for me to do. Praise God. Tell somebody next to you, I'm so glad I heard of a, a word of freedom today. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we do love you, you know. <laughs> I totally believe in, in uh, what God's doing, but we're not doing this when the camera's on. We're going to live the life and follow Jesus. Bless you. Uh, I believe it is for freedom, and this, this word will bring great joy. You know, wherever there's righteousness, there is joy and peace. When things come into right alignment with God, joy and peace flow. So you're going to be a happier Christian this week. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com